This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today you'll learn the five things you need to know before you retire with author and host of the Retire Sooner podcast, Wes Moss. Plus, you'll also learn from the woman who wants to help you retire in your dream home. It's the co-host of Stacking Deeds, Crystal Hammond. And finally, the guy who invented the Roomba, it's... Wait a minute. This guy totally sweeps the dirt floor of his bunker all by himself like he's some kind of pioneer. It's just Len Penzo. But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share my do-it-yourself trivia question. And now a guy who's doing all he can to bring you the best personal finance advice in the world. It's Joe Saul Cihai. Wow, that's a high bar today, Doug. That is a, in the world. In the world. You know, we might as well just say universe. If we're going to say that, the world, let's say the universe. That wasn't even in the script, Joe. I just added that all by myself. <laughs> that's how confident I feel. Well, you know what? It's because we have a lot of help today, Doug. That's exactly why. Welcome, everybody, to Friday. I am Joe Selcihai. Every show money on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, on the social media places. And we've got a great team and a great topic. And frankly... Three different points of view. Let's start off with a gentleman who is in his bunker deep under Los Angeles, a guy who's experiencing retirement right now and is in the middle kind of of that transition period himself. So we're going to hear a lot about that today. Len Penzo's here. How are you, man? Well, uh, Joe, I, I have to say, I'm, frankly, I'm, I'm quite depressed. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I came to the realization that I am really old. I'm really old. You want to know how I came to that conclusion? Yeah, yeah. Well, last weekend I went to an antique auction, and uh, three people actually placed a bid on me. (laughs) You got to move once in a while, Len. You can't just look like a piece of furniture. Yeah, so uh, anyways, I'm depressed. (laughs) God, that took forever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, the thoughts don't come as quickly when you're his age, Joe. Just, just, And I, I got to pivot away from that. And the, the woman who's my co-host over on the Stacky D show, Crystal Hammond's here. Crystal, please don't do that. Please, please don't follow that. No, I mean I, I would have bid on you too. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. You're looking, you're looking mighty ancient today. Oh, uh, just kidding, just kidding. You know, I think about retirement all the time. Some days at work, you're like, when? How many days do I have left? Because. Uh, I'm over it today. So. Well, that's what I like about you being here, Crystal, is that you are dreaming about retirement yeah, and daily. in getting retirement together and multiple streams of income and not there yet and just working on it. Yeah, I think about it all the time. Just like this uh, cookie dough, cookie batter, cake batter lotion. You guys have to try this. Why do I want to smell like cake batter? I Why still have no you? idea. I, Why wouldn't you? I've walked around all day going, mm. man, I'm hungry. I just don't want to be that hungry. No. And the guy who's always hungry 
for more talk about retirement, a guy we quote an awful lot. Doug, how often do I quote this guy when I talk about what the happiest retirees know, his book? I feel like it's it's all the time. 13 bajillion times. Yes. <laughs> Wes Moss is once. here with us. How are you, Probably man? Probably once. Wait a minute. Have you ever had, have you ever talked about my book when I'm not there? Oh. We have, no, we talked about it with you tell, here, yes. Tell me you don't listen to the show without telling me you don't listen to the show, Wes. <laughs> you guys are my favorite podcast. Joe's my favorite host. Sorry. <laughs> nice job. Good recovery, and Wes. My favorite a little late. I, I think I told you last time we were on the round table, but I, I remember when I first saw you on this thinking, whoa, I've been reading this Len Penzo for a decade before blogging was even a thing. And when you started blogging like 25 years ago, before the internet. <laughs> yeah, I started on papyrus. Uh, and, uh... <laughs> Wes, say Lens Ancient without saying Lens, lens Ancient. Love you guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell the three people that don't know about the Retire Sooner podcast about all the fun stuff you do, man. You're on fire. Retiring Sooner. I wrote a book. It's over 10 years now called You Can Retire Sooner Than You Think. And then that's really opened up mm -hmm. that conversation for what I talk about on the Retire Sooner podcast. And then I talk a whole lot about the money and habits of happy retirees, which is, I think this is such a cool topic we're talking about here today. And then in real life, I, just today, I had an awesome call with, I think is a quintessential real life situation where you've got a consultant, one of the big consulting firms, they work those people just into the ground. 30 years in, still super young, pre-55, just ready to, to go. Just, I'm done. And we were doing some planning around that today. And that's hard, even if you're a super high income person, to be able to do that. So I'm trying to triangulate all those things into the real world. So, so incredible. And I love following along from afar. Glad you're here. We got four flexes today, Doug. We've got Wes Moss here. That's a flex. We've Boom. got Crystal Hammond here. Boom. We've got Len Penzo here. <laughs> boom. I give you boom. And and the fourth flex is starting today. Our roundtables are presented by State Farm. That is a cool flex. Wow. That is cool. Yeah. We're going to meet Jake. Or are we going to meet Jake? I'm well, let me tell you about State Farm. State Farm agents are small business owners too. So they know how to help you choose personalized policies that fit your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And not only are we sponsored by them, we also today, get this, are sponsored by, this episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Oh, wow. That's great news. Oh, no, no, no. We're not done. Check this out. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to... Uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30 day free trial. When you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad free privacy. You can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me. 
because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Now, isn't that amazing, Crystal Hammond? Oh, man, that was wonderful. Yes, but the wonderfulness is just beginning because Wes, Len, and Crystal are here with Doug and I. We're going to talk about the five things you need to know before you retire. This piece is on the Retirement Manifesto blog. Our friend Fritz over at Retirement Manifesto wrote this piece. Fritz has been on the show a couple times, and Mm. this piece is interesting. It says, if you're not retired, it's impossible to know what it's really like to be retired. Len, you are now just really, what, a year into it. Yes. Um, Is that true? If you're not retired, it's impossible to know what it's really like to be retired? I think the younger you are, I think that's absolutely true. I think as you get older, uh, maybe not. If you put some thought into it and planned, uh, I I think you can prepare yourself for it. But, uh, you know, if anybody who's been on a long vacation, maybe a three or four week vacation, that does give you kind of a flavor of what retirement is like. So it's just a series. So in essence, I've been basically 12 month long vacations right now is what I've uh, what I've experienced in retirement. So I, I kind of had a pretty good flavor for how it is. We're going to talk about that, Len, because I kind of disagree, but I'm going to save okay. my disagreement for later. I think it is a little different. Wes, uh, he then immediately, and by the way, Stackers, you don't need to read this piece, uh, but if you want to, head to our show notes page at Stacky Benjamins and follow along. But um, But we're just going to walk you through these five things. He, he next, Wes, says, focusing on money is necessary, but insufficient ahead of time. And I think for a lot of our stakers, like, wait a minute, we, we, whoa, 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 I got to talk about the money piece. Do you, do you agree with Fritz here? Focusing on money is not the end all be all? Yeah, Fritzy is saying that we spend 90, 10, 90% of the time thinking about and preparing for the money side and only 10% on the financial side or the lifestyle side. First of all, you're, he's preaching to the choir with me because I think it's a 50-50 relationship. He says you should spend 90% of your time planning for the non-money side. I think that's way too low, but I totally get where he's coming from. In my my opinion, it's always been – it should be a one-to-one balance between the money side and the lifestyle side. So he's on to something – it's a little extreme what Fritzy's saying, but I think it's cool. <laughs> maybe he's going for shock value here then, Wes. Yeah, I mean, he maybe is. he's just trying to shock the system because it's totally contrary to what anybody thinks. I mean, I mean, Crystal, beyond saving for maybe setting the retirement goal, setting the number, figuring out how much you need to save, that kind of thing. Have you thought about like what things you're going to do when you reach retirement? I mean, are, are, isn't it just sailing on yachts and going from beach to beach. That's what I picture. I picture, because I do, I focus 90% is on the money. Like I just had a retirement seminar where you get to do all the calculators and all the things where, okay, social security is here. The pension is here. Your 401k provides this, your Roth provides that. So I'm like, okay, I'm set. I'm ready to spend it all on a yacht, on a beach around the world daily. Put me on repeat. Crystal, that gets into his first one, which of the five things you need to know, number one on his list is freedom is great, but it comes with an obligation. He says it's freedom from the alarm clock, the commute, the bus, those dreadful Zoom calls from even those more dreadful annual performance reviews. He goes, it's wonderful, but it's a little more than that yacht every day. He says, think back to your childhood years. And I guess, Len, this is where I disagree with you, too. When you say it's it's like a three-week vacation, he says, think back to your childhood years when you had the thrill of freedom on your last day of school. Ah, the whole summer off. Freedom! If you're like me, however, and this was totally me in school. By the middle of July, you were getting bored. I think the studies show, if I remember, uh, Wes, Ken Dykewald, uh, who does a lot of longevity and retirement studies, said you got like 18 months of euphoria, and then there's this kind of deep, is this it? Because I don't think it is summer vacation or just the yacht. Yeah, I think it's a really good way to think about it. It's, it, And we all remember those summers. You're so excited to get out of school. And then a week in or two weeks in or three weeks in, particularly when we were kids and they didn't have television, you're like, what am I supposed to do? And there's no video games. Wait. Well, maybe when Len was a kid, they didn't, no didn't have television? video games. The, and I, I grew <laughs> hey, up on we a had fall. Pong. We had Pong. Yeah, we had like the Commodore 64. I think that is part of it. But it really just depends on how much you transition into it. 
and I was thinking about what you're saying that it's almost a shock value. I almost feel like somebody needs to has needed to say it in the way Fritz is saying it to command the attention that it needs because it seems like the frivolous side. Well, well you gotta you've got to spend your time thinking about the money side, or else you go into retirement and you have a lifelong of financial insecurity. So it's terrible. So the way he's saying you've got to be focusing on what that transition is going to look like, what the time is going to really how, – how are you really going to spend it? I like that the, he, he is that extreme about it. I want to go then, Len, to you in the vacation. So, I mean, clearly there is a vacation aspect. And, pl- and, and studies show people spend more time planning a long vacation than they do planning retirement, which I think is kind of horrible. But where's the correlation and do you think there is – maybe more to it and you can't just like people used to tell me i'm gonna golf every day oh i'll golf every day i'm like really have you ever tried to golf every day and i've had people go no but i'll try yeah i think there's, <laughs> th- you kind of misunderstood me when i said it was a period of 12 four-week vacations for me anyways it's what i was saying was basically hey you don't have to get up to the alarm clock you've got the freedom for that week for those four weeks to do whatever you want go wherever you want Obviously, if you're just going to plan on playing golf every day of your life for the remaining retirement, that's not good. In my case, I thought this out well ahead of time what I was going to do, and I have so much stuff on my plate. I mean, I, I, there's not enough time, even in retirement for me today, to do everything I want to do. I have my my blog, which is, basically it's a side business. I've been working other side business ventures, none of them very successful at the moment, but I've been working hard on those. I have, as you know, my model railroad as a hobby. I've mm. got that. I've got going out and golfing or entertainment, going out with friends. I mean, there is so much to do. I never, and I've told the honeybee this, there's never a day I wake up and I just go, gosh, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do because I've got, so, and I have don't. this podcast here too, the, the round table. I've got so much on my, really, I've got I'm, I've got a rich yeah. life, but before I retired, I made sure that I had all my ducks lined up that I would have that rich life before the I non-financial retired. Ducks. The non-financial ducks. Yes, the, the, non, non-financial the non-financial ducks, ducks yeah. correct. Don't you mean you have the squirrels lined up, Len? Because I know you spend a lot of time <laughs> focused on those squirrels squirrel in your backyard. Watching. Yes, the squirrel. I wonder if there's a way I can give you some great squirrel cam footage. One of these days, I'll have to maybe share it with you guys. <laughs> oh, I've been enjoying it. Would you? Please. <laughs> please, please, please. Once again, Len, say you're old without saying you're old. <laughs> please. Uh, you know, the thing, Wes, that I quote all the time that Len is referring to is in your book, you talk about how the average retiree has, and you call them hobbies, has six hobbies before they re- retire. But I think it's more than hobby, Wes, don't you? I think hobby's kind of a, a little bit too light a term. Well, so it's maybe it's been a little while since you've read the book, but let me go back and quantify that. It's hobbies on steroids. Ooh. Oh, that's the other like better. It's not hobbies. Yes. So I think of them as core pursuits. And actually, as I was as we're sitting here, I'm updating my list of core pursuits. I've got them on my iPhone and track squirrels. Th- that is not one of them. <laughs> Thinking about it, where cake batter uh, uh, yes. lotion reviewing Pick squirrel footage. The so I keep a so think about this. The, the average happy retiree has three point six, call it three to four core pursuits. Those are not just hobbies; they are hobbies on steroids, or things you live for, the things that you can progress in, things you want to continue to get better in. And things that you really have a deep love for. Unhappy retirees, by the way, average 1.9, so two versus four. Big difference between the two. And they can change and they can evolve over time, but they are, they are critical to the structure of the day that you will have to have while you're in this, call it a productive vacation. I'm in the camp of liking productive vacations. I know that there's this thought of just hanging out on the beach. Maybe it's just because I've had kids for so long. I've got four kids and it's been so long that that's even been a reality. I actually love that balance of always having a, some work and some fun all the time. So that's kind of how I've prepared for it. But I've got, I've got 17 things on my list of core mm. pursuits. Well, I think, Crystal, that's you. I mean, for you, I think – retiring from your corporate nine to five job. I mean, I think about you sewing. I think about Zumba. I think about your real estate. Sometimes I think, Crystal, you could probably retire <laughs> tomorrow and you'd, you'd be like Len with the plate completely full. 
Well, and that even backing up, that was one thing I used to say when I first started the job. Um, I was like, you know, when it's retirement age, my job's going to be so easy. I'm not going to want to feel like retiring, you know, just because it'll be second nature and natural to me. So maybe I will, maybe I won't, you know, from the nine to five. But I do, I plan on, I love um, that Wes said productive vacations because when I go on vacations, I love to, you know, do cooking classes, the tours, just the learning part is one of the things that I love about it. And I couldn't see myself sitting at home all day. It just is totally not in my nature. So all of my side hustles will become most likely, you know, the, the full-time gigs again, yeah. but it'll be, you know, more fulfilling. The number two, which brings me, Crystal, to number two on this list, your transition to retirement will be harder than you think. We already talked about a lot of these speed bumps, but Fritz says, Barbara retired six months before me, and I'll never forget a comment she made a few months later. Wow, she said, the transition to retirement so much harder than I thought. I wish somebody had told me how hard it would be. He did a poll with people in his community. 50% of pre-retirees expect their transition to retirement to be smooth when folks were asked when they retired, only 32% said it actually was smooth, meaning 68% of retirees had a rough transition. And I got to feel like, Crystal, if you've seen people ahead of you that have had really a struggle into into retirement? Oh, yeah. Not not to be funny, but this is this is funny to me. Going back to the whole summer vacations talk, sometimes because my mom's retired and she'll call, she's like, well, I'm just here. I'm bored. And I'll never forget when I was young, I used to say that. I'd be like, hey, are you bored or are you boring? And then that would change the tune because I'm like, well, get outside. You have, this is your moment to shine, to do whatever you've ever wanted to do. Learn whatever you wanted to do. So don't tell me you're bored. Get out there and find something to do. But that is one of the um, things that I'm seeing. A lot of people are, they're like, oh man, I'm bored. And even my grandma, after she retired, she got sick. And so, you know, how are you, re- you know, enjoying all that hard work? And then, oh man, you know, since your purpose isn't there as much, you know, you're sick. And then I've been watching all these documentaries, that Blue Zone one. And they're saying, yeah. you know, they live older because they they don't stop. They, the, every day there's a new purpose. There's a new thing. I actually, now in my neighborhood, uh, volunteer with a bunch of retirees and we have a blast um, in a thrift shop, you know, is a lot of talk, gossip, drama, all that, you know, and they're there for it. You know, they have all the time, but they happily volunteer. Like we have to fight for shifts sometimes because they're, you know, they're just, they're like, Hey, I'm here to help. I'm not going to sit at home all day. Um, So I I like that. I see perspectives from, Oh man, I'm so bored. And uh, Hey, let's go out. Cause even my next shift, someone was like, Hey, I see we're working. Do you want to get drinks before or after our shift? And I'm like, you want to get loaded before our shift? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think about that. Maybe we should go for drinks before the shift. I was going to say after, but let's go before. I like that idea. But yeah, they're they're ready to hang out. They plan all the parties. They do all the cooking. Like I feel like you know a teenager again or in college. You know how you come home from college and you don't have to lift a finger. (laughs) Like get some retired friends. Is what you're telling me. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Len, you got to see people around you that haven't had the successful transition that you've had. Yeah, I've seen a lot actually. And where I worked, a lot of people who are retiring, you know, you ask them, oh, well, what do you got planned? What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to do a little traveling. I'm going to play golf or tennis or whatever. And, and I go, anything, you know, okay. It's like, how long can you travel? How much golf can you play? How much tennis can you play? And a few of those people have come back and we've had, before I retired, we'd have lunches, we'd have group group lunches and some of the retirees would come and join us and and they were they were completely bored and they were just like oh it's like i can't you know it's the same old thing every day it's like i've i got to figure out what to do maybe i'll take up a language or maybe i'll do this it's like dude you should have thought of this you should have thought of this before you retired (laughs) you should have had this all laid out a lot of them wanted to come back to work but they couldn't because in my profession at the time the economy was at least in my niche uh, they weren't hiring anymore, so they were kind of they mm. they were good. And these people had left, and they couldn't come back in, and they were really in a in a pickle trying to keep themselves busy. So they really had to work hard to figure out what to do. So I mean, when you retire, you really should have you know, like Wes said, at least four full time gigs of something that would take your time and will take a long time to ever 
satisfy yourself. I, I just want to bring, I brought, like, I, I'm doing this one side business venture. I've told you it's a total failure, but I've worked hard <laughs> on it. I, it. My first six months after I retired, I was working really hard on it. And um, I was putting in 40 to 60 hours a week just on that. And uh, so far it has not borne any fruit and I'm about ready to abandon it, but I have something else in mind. I'm going on my second attempt. Hey, and I'm having fun. It doesn't matter. You know, it was very stimulating to me. I learned a lot and I will take those lessons that I learned from this, this past failure and I will apply it to the next idea I have. But I anticipate this next business venture, I'm probably going to spend 60 to 80 hours a week getting that up and going mm-hmm. probably for six months to a year. So, uh, you know, like I said, you got to really think about it and you got to have that drive to improve yourself or you have to have an internal drive. If you don't have an internal drive to or curiosity or, I mean, I think you're going to struggle. I think you really are. Maybe you should stay employed. I don't know. We're going to get to that one in the second half of today's show, because what you're alluding to, Len, Fritz actually brings up very strongly with his fourth point. But before that, our third point here, Wes is, as the money guy on the show, he says money won't matter as much after you retire. Have you found that to be true? So I think that was such a cool, I'd never have thought to ask that. It's funny. So what he says here is that everyone he talked to, and he said it seemed like they were in more in their 80s, but he said any of these retirees he talked to, none of them were worried about money. None of them, which is kind of a fascinating thought. And his point was, they're not worried about it because it already is what it is. They're not going to change their financial situation. They're 81 and they know how much money they have. They know how much income it produces. They know what their social security and their pension is. And that's it. And then, and then you adjust to that. It's kind of an interesting way to look at it. And I had not ever really thought of it that way because I am in the financial business. I'm in the planning business as well. And people are always checking in and always a little bit anxious about what's happening in the world and markets. So I have not ever seen anyone that's fully just never worried whatsoever but I, I can I see his point that you're not going to change it when you're 81. You're already you already know what your income is going to be. I do remember, you know, I get uh, coaching from Strategic Coach, and when I went to these coaching sessions, we started talking about like, what do you want to be when you're 85, when you're 90, and really kind of pushing some of these ideals of who we want to be in our later years earlier, and focus on your ability to go after some of those big pursuits that you imagine yourself. We went through this series of imagining what we were, but one of those was, I want to be 90 and not think about money. Mm-hmm. This thing Fritz talks about clearly made my list. Like I just want to be able to do whatever I do. And I just don't want to care about it. doesn't mean that I have all the money in the world. I just don't want it to be on my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. I want other stuff on my mind. I want to be, I want to think about my community, my, my spouse, my kids, my adventure, you know, being healthy, being fit. I don't want to dream about money. You know, Joe, the, the other thing that I guess the tactical side of that is that I think if you're, when you're doing financial planning and you, let's say you understand the 4% rule and that's pretty simple, 4% of your assets plus inflation every year. And you know what your social security is. Wait, didn't Dave Dave Ramsey amend that? He amended it to 14%. I think Wes Wes, is the 27% rule now. Yeah, I know. I did. I'm sure we all did a scathing podcaster. We did a, everyone did a scathing podcaster on that. Maybe. What? But Great. if you think about that, and then you think about what how you're invested. Now, that there's unlimited variability of how you do that. But if you do that in this, let's call it, to some extent, an income investing way, where you know at least you have some level of cash flow, then you're right. And, and Fritz is right. There really is not – there's not a lot of variability once you are following a couple tried and true principles and your anxiety around, well, is the money going to run out? That should run down – to relative, not maybe never zero because we're human, but it should run close to zero at a certain point. It just makes me feel like if you do a lot of that number work up front too, mm-hmm. then it takes care of itself. Get the numbers, face reality early on, whether it's good or bad, face it quickly. We see all kinds of people come back from, you know, age 50, not having saved a lot to 65, putting together a, a decent retirement. I think about our friend Becky Heptig who did that, like get that stuff in order too. We're going to talk about numbers four and five, which are huge on this list after our break. But at the midway part of every show, we have this amazing year-long competition. Len Penzo, don't let me forget. I keep forgetting to give you the Milk oh. Bar gift certificate as our <laughs> as our winner from you know, last I've year. I've been laying awake at night just 
fuming that I haven't got <laughs> that. I'm it's so like, sorry. When am I going to get that? <laughs> I will say that publicly. And and our stacker, Eric, was so nice to donate it. And I still have not handed it over. Now, that could mean that I've used it. But but it, but it but it was delicious. I I accepted on your behalf, Len. Okay. It was it was great. No, I did not accept on your behalf. I do got to send that to you. So please, before we uh, get done, make sure you remind me. But we have a year long competition between Len, Paula Pant, and OG. And is uh, if you've listened to the show before, you know that OG and Paula those are two people that aren't here. So Crystal, we'll just keep this gender the same. So Crystal, why don't you play on behalf of Paula? Wes, you'll play on behalf of OG. And the score, OG has one. Len has one. Paula has zero. So uh, Paula already assuming her annual spot in third place, which means, Crystal, you get to go last. Uh, Len, you're the current champion, so you're going to guess first. Wes, you're guessing in the middle. But we need a trivia question. Doug, what's on tap today, man? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Lately, I've been getting into those tiny houses people have been building out of shipping containers. No, I mean, I'm not actually getting into them. I'm just, like, interested in oh, them breaking into people's homes. Some of them are really cool. I saw one this morning. It's two stories. Or I guess in this case, it's two containers. <laughs> the owner built it himself on a big piece of property. He's renting them out to travelers, which got me thinking... I should buy some land and convert it into an entire neighborhood of houses built out of shipping containers. I could make a fortune off tourists coming to Texarkana. <laughs> although, <laughs> although building homes out of shipping containers is a new trend, people have always looked for inventive ways to build homes cheaply. In the early 20th century, Sears Roebuck, which later kicked Roebuck to the curb and just became Sears, sold home kits that included all the supplies to build your own home except electrical plumbing and heating. Huh. Imagine buying a house from the same place you'd buy a dollhouse. I could probably skip the middleman, buy a dollhouse kit, scale it up, build an entire neighborhood out of those. I can put them on a separate empty lot to sell. Probably best to do the shipping container neighborhood first, though, so I can use the revenue from that to build the other one. I can't believe some big real estate investor hasn't thought of this already. I guess I got to come up with all the best ideas myself, as usual. Here's today's trivia question. One of the home kits Sears sold, the Argyle, was 1,008 square feet with two bedrooms, a fireplace, one bathroom, and a porch. It first hit the market in 1915. What was the starting price of that package? I'll be back right after I place a bid on some vacant land. Base dug on your budget. <laughs> I'm just imagining the postage stamp nature of that land. But it's Texarkana, so you could probably buy a lot of land. We're good. Mr. Penzo, you're up first. Pretend it's 1915. You're searching for your new home in the Sears Robot catalog. Is that, you just want the kit, right? That's not the, the price to build it or anything, right? It's like you just buy the kit and they, that is, they throw that everything. That is the kit. Okay. The kit. Right. Mm. And by the way, have you guys seen these houses? Yeah, I was going to say, we know somebody that either bought one or... These houses are beautiful. Like, these houses are amazingly beautiful. You mean the house that, that was sold, whatever, the one Doug's talking about, the 1915 yeah. one? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Argyle. Well, they had a whole range of house models you could get. And I think what Joe's saying is they all were really good-looking houses. They had great little details to them. They weren't just this basic, you know, four walls and a Just peak. splendid. Well, let's Delightful. see. How many bedrooms? Two? Gorgeous. Two bed? Did it say two bedrooms? Two bedrooms, a fireplace, a bathroom, a porch, a thousand eight square feet. Did not include plumbing, electrical, or what's the third one, Doug? Heating. I'm going to say nine hundred and fifty dollars. Nine hundred fifty for all the pieces. Nineteen fifteen. Nine hundred and fifty bucks. Wes, what do you think about that? He high or low? I think he's low. Mm. I think he's dreadfully low. What are the rules here on the over under? Do you win? Yeah, there's closest. No, yeah, we're not doing the uh, prices right. Just closest. Yeah, but it's so low that it's it's messing up my thoughts. <laughs> that's, that's part of the strategy. <laughs> that's part of the strategy. That's, that there, was an Wes. extreme. And I have the advantage. Yeah, you do. You do, Crystal. So I'm going to go with my original 
got at $6.50 a square foot. So I'm going to say $65.52. Actually, I'm going to say $65.99 is the price. 6,599 simoleons from Mr. Moss. Ms. Hammond? Huh. 6,000 and 1,000. I'm going to have to go with that. I'm thinking it was like 1,500, but to. Why do you think it's 1,500? I don't know. That was just your initial gut, <laughs> gut feeling. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say 2,000. Two th- you split the uprights, kind of. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. A little bit to yeah. the right, but yes. Ooh, All right. Gosh. We've got Len at 950, Wes at uh, 65.99, and Crystal at 2,000 square. Who's right? We'll let you know in a minute. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to... Uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Len, you kicked us off with $950. Both Wes and Crystal thought that's uh, that's a pretty low number. What are you thinking now, big guy? I really don't know. <laughs> something tells me that this is a three-digit number, otherwise Doug wouldn't have picked it. So that's that's why, you know, it's just something that would really knock your socks off. Like, you know, a house for $900, you know, that's what I think. Mm. So I, I'm thinking I'm going to win this. Ah, but Wes, you're taking the modern approach uh, uh, by square foot. $65.99 seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think Len's going to win this one. I think Do that, you? I think I'm heavy. Yeah, I'm heavy on this. I was thinking four bedroom, not two. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking custom cabinetry. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm heavy. Steel. Right. I don't know. It was the 1915 version of Ikea. Imagine uh, the, the instructions that came with this. Crystal, 2000 down the middle. You feeling good? Yeah, I'm doing Paula justice. We're getting our first point today, Paula. Well, let's see if you're right, Crystal. Sounds pretty confident. Doug, who's winning this one? Hey there, stackers. I'm shipping container recycler and soon-to-be neighborhood developer, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Over the break, I placed a bid on some land here in Texas. You wouldn't believe what they're selling it for. It's 30 acres. We're out in the middle of nowhere, which means I can market the neighborhood as secluded in a private paradise. I can't wait to get this thing started. Let's get you back to today's trivia question. The question was... It's like bring your own banjo. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Secluded paradise. A new BYOB. Self-defense part. Sorry. Yeah. 
But here was the question. How much did the Sears home building kit, the Argyle, sell for in 1915? The answer? Sears Roebuck sold an impressive 70,000 home kits between 1908 and 1940. One of the 350 design options, the Argyle, hit the market in 1915 and in today's dollars would have sold for $22,000. But back in 1915, it sold for... Five thousand eight hundred and fourteen dollars wow. less than what Wes guessed. Oh. One thousand two hundred and fifteen dollars less than what Crystal Ooh. guessed. Just a hundred and sixty-five dollars less than what Len guessed because uh. the selling price of the Argyle was seven hundred and eighty-five dollars, wow, and that means yeah. Len gets his second point of the season. What's interesting, though, another piece of that trivia, which is phenomenal that they sold it for that little bit of money. They were so popular over the next, what was it, Doug? Roughly, I think two years later, they were selling it for, I believe, almost triple that price Yeah, yeah. because so many people were buying them and they just started, oh, jacking the price up like you should. Yes. 70,000 so, uh, in sales. That is great. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, not just that one model, but still yeah. 70,000 home kits. And there's a lot of them that are still active homes right. being lived in today. I'm going to find that tweet. Somebody tweeted oh, it. That's cool. Like, that's very wow. cool. That's a good yeah. trivial question. Go look up those houses too, guys. You're going to see it. Yeah. We'll have a link on the show notes, but if you go look at these, uh, the Argyle especially, just a beautiful house. Unbelievable. Hey, speaking of unbelievable, second half of the show coming up, that's going to be unbelievable. And it's brought to you by depositaccounts.com. <laughs> Len, you know what happens when you go to depositaccounts.com? Yeah, they give you a $50,000 sign-up bonus if you uh, buy, <laughs> if you get in within the uh, next two days. Are, are you trying to get... Right. Oh, no. Trouble. Oh, wait, there's Ooh. more. It's weird. All of a sudden, uh, the, the call from Lending Tree is... Uh, it's coming out of Lynn's account. It's coming, in it's coming out of Lynn's account. Right now. <laughs> it is so strange how this might be our last deposit accounts by Lending Tree Read. <laughs> Thank you. You're going to get sued, Lynn. Someone's going to say they didn't hear you say. You'll find that uh, you get to compare, Len. You, you make this phenomenal offer sound horrible. It's like, well, it's not as good as Len's. But you get to compare more than 275,000 deposit rates from over 11,000 banks and credit unions. You do it for free. I'm on the site right now. Listen to this. The national average on a savings account is still only half a percent today. As we record this, it'll be different by the time this goes out. So just go to depositaccounts.com. It's literally on the top of the front page. If you're in the top 1% of savings accounts, though, 4.97%. That's down slightly. But national average, 0.5. Top 1%, 4.97. CD rates, a one-year CD, national average, 4.02. Top 1% average, 5.61%. Uh, they've got checking, money markets. You can compare, ditch, switch, and save at depositaccounts.com. Go ahead there, people. Let's dive so, into Joe, just to be just yes. To be, so if you know if you could take that fifty thousand dollars sign up bonus and at four percent interest, I mean that's oh, a please, lot of money. God. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> <laughs> stop it! Pause. It's gonna be Len's last appearance on the show as well. <laughs> Len's like, I gotta, I got so much going on, I gotta get rid of being on the podcast. <laughs> Retirement. <laughs> He's like, honeybee, I got good news. <laughs> Remember that podcasting obligation every week? I don't have that anymore. Fritz has two more points on his five things to know before you retire. And number four here, you'll miss certain attributes from your working years. And Len, you alluded to this during the first half, which is why I want to come right back to you. He says, when people think about leaving their jobs, they naturally think about the loss of their paycheck. What most people don't think about, though, are the numerous non-financial benefits they receive from their work, like structure to their day, mental challenges, relationships, a sense of reward, purpose, a sense of identity, like having that structure, Len. I know that for a lot of retirees, when I was a financial planner, that was the hardest part was like, hey, no alarm clock. And then about three months later, they're like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just... I'm just wasting time every day. Did you find that when you first got to retirement? Not for me, but like I said, for my some of my coworkers, I've seen that in the past. And it's just these people, you know, they were happy to retire, but they didn't really think out what they had, what, what came after retirement. All they worried about was that number. They hit their number. They're good to go. This is going to be a great retirement. You know, money buys your happiness. I'll, whatever I need, I'm good to go. But then they realized, you know, what gives meaning to life is, your personal growth and what 
you know, playing golf every day and watching TV and sitting on the couch, that just doesn't do it, man. You you are going to get so bored. And especially if you're in a profession like in engineering, I mean, people have these challenges daily, these really difficult problems that they have to solve. And suddenly you just turn that off and your brain just turns to mush and it's terrible. And it's kind of like a prison. So, you know, I'm begging everybody before you get into retirement, make sure you've got stuff planned. The other thing is the camaraderie, just being at work. I mean, you have a lot of friends at work that you don't, you might think you'll be in touch with these friends forever and ever, but even in my case, I know I've lost touch with so many good friends that I had at work, coworkers. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of sad, actually, partly my fault. But I mean, it's just, you get busy even in retirement. I mean, it's hard to keep in touch with all your coworkers and that goes away and that leaves a little bit of a void too. So you have to kind of prepare for that also. And the way I would recommend you do that is you have a, a monthly lunch group. That's the best way to do it if you can get oh. that up with your coworkers. Before you retire, set up something, some sort of monthly lunch group, and that way you can stay in touch. It, it, it does help. Having a front row seat led to my dad's retirement. I saw this. My dad retired at a young age. He was 30 and out from General Motors. And oh. so he retired in his mid-50s. He'd worked there for 30-some years already because he started in his early 20s. And he immediately, because all the people his age were still working, Len, he immediately started hanging out with people 20 years older than him. Hmm. My dad loves relationships, but we actually had to have an intervention because all of a sudden my dad started having all these aches and pains that his friends were having. (laughs) And I'm not kidding, by the way. I mean, we're laughing, but I am not kidding. We had to say, Dad, you have to become more intentional about who you... We love these guys, but... Man, were they so much older than him, and so they were in a different uh, different frame of mind. And my dad aged so quickly because of that. Like I think, Lynn, those intentional relationships hugely important. You, you know, I, whenever I see those retiree groups, you know, the old retiree groups, they're everybody's smiling, and you know why that is? It's because nobody can hear a word that they're saying. Oh, I'll <laughs> <laughs> just shouting over each other. Wes, there's a piece of this that uh, is pretty disturbing. Fritz says 28% of retirees are depressed because they don't think about this stuff enough. I think that probably, does that jive that with your research? That made me depressed when I read that. Yeah. That's brutal. Mm. Does that jive with your research? So my suggestion on this is, and so a couple things. One, I was looking up in, in the book, I wanted to get my exact statistic on organized social groups. So number one, your core pursuits, those hobbies on steroids, and whether you have four or 12 or 20, I've got, like, I got a new one. Crystal, one, something she said earlier jogged something that I had forgotten to put down on here. So I'm up to 18 right now. Oh. And I just keep track of these things when I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do that. You got to get, by the way, Len, you were the, you used a little. Like, oh, I'm going to do a little of this. Like, I'm going to do a little. Of, like, if it's, if you're going to put little in front of anything, uh, any of these, they're not core pursuits. Mm-hmm. So they don't count. Mm-hmm. But this whole list, 75% of the list of my core pursuits or, or most core pursuits for happy retirees, there's a big social element to the core pursuit as well. It's easy to have core pursuits that are also group oriented. And the one takeaway that I would offer up that I've, I've seen in my research that boosts happiness dramatically is that the belonging to one organized social group, and the only criteria I had on that was that they have to meet on average, once a month. So to Len's point, it was it's lunch, but any sort of social group that is going to meet 12 times a year, there's a powerful garden effect that can cultivate more social activity because you are, you're almost guaranteed to have this group interactivity every single month that then leads to more group activities. Other and stuff, it, yeah. yeah. That's true, yeah. Well, yeah, and then for me... I'm one of the people that goes to work on my birthday because all my friends are there, like all my coworkers I actually hang out with. So I I would miss them like crazy. I didn't think about that. But yeah, I go to work to show off my outfits or to show off what, you know, what outfit I made. We hang out Doug after does the work. same thing here, Crystal. Shows up to show off his outfit. These are the only days I get dressed. It looks like you're at Niagara Falls. It like does. the yellow. <laughs> it does. You guys have to see it. looks like a rain slicker to you. It does look like he's on the weather channel. You know that Maid of the Mist? No. Have you ever been on that Maid of the Mist in the Niagara Falls? No. The boat that goes right. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was on that boat, and I thought that captain was on a suicide mission. He was driving right. I thought we were going to. 
we went so close to those falls, I thought I was going to die. It was the most scary thing I've ever experienced in my life. Not the most, but it was very scary. All that story just because we thought Doug's wearing a raincoat. <laughs> he does look like there's uh, Curious George and who's the uh, the, the ranger, you know? The man in the yellow hat. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, the man in the oh, yellow hat. Wow. He does look hat. like the Gordon. Yes. It's like, oh, he's on the side of Sorry, a tuna Doug, can. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to start that. I didn't mean to. I was just. Well, this has been lots of fun. <laughs> This is an insulated, it's like a puffy jacket, but it's it's a, like a shirt. It's cool. Is it from It's L-L-B? a wintertime thing. It's not I know a, how I recognize you. You're Mrs. Paul's husband. I'll take my clothes off right now. Look, don't tempt me. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got a fish stick for you, Joe. Uh-oh. Oh. I got two of them. Oh, wow. The... Uh, I got some inspiration recently. We went to Houston and went to the Museum of Fine Art, which I'd recommend anybody. And I picked up this book called Art is the Highest Form of Hope, and I've been showing it off a lot lately. But it's these great quotes from artists that I find very inspirational. And one of the quotes in here, Crystal, is this one, which kind of alludes to what Fritz is talking about. And it is, I've been willing to pay any price to be able to work, is what this artist says. And it's funny because when you're an artist, I feel like that's kind of what we're retiring to, right? This work that now is is an art. And I guess, Len, let's throw this to you. It sounds like this is kind of you. Like you got rid of the job so that you could go to work. You know what? I think that's true. Mm. And again, this is the third time I've brought this up. My failed business <laughs> my failed business venture that I've worked so hard on for the first six months of, after my retirement. That's kind of an art. Can you art. tell us but, a little bit more? You, you have brought it up many times. Can you please tell us what you failed at? Yeah. A the Pontiac problem is repairman. the damn squirrels won't do their part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. It was a business based on homeowners associations. That's as far as I'll go because I'm not totally giving up on this yet. <laughs> but the, let's just say the interest after I did all this work, the interest is doesn't is, they're not coming to me yet. So uh, we'll see <laughs> later on. But anyways, that in a way is art. I mean, it's just I treated it. It is kind of like art. It's just something that I created. I'm proud of what it what I did, what I built. I'm sorry that so far nobody has bought into my business uh, idea. But you know what? I had fun because I'm retired. It's no big deal. It's not like I needed that to live. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of more fun starting a business when you're retired because the failure doesn't, it doesn't affect my putting food on the table. You know what I'm saying? The stress isn't there. So I can, I really enjoyed it, even though it's going to be a failure probably. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm anxious to try another idea. I really am. And it doesn't matter if I work, put in 60 hours a week in this next one and it fails. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to learn things and it's enjoyable. I enjoy it. Failure or not. I feel like, Wes, if you ask yourself that question, what would you be willing to pay any price to do? Then you're probably planning out the stuff right for retirement. Yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty cool quote. Um, I'd be willing to pay any price to, what is it again? Blank. To work. To work. I guess I've, I've always been fascinated with the Gallup polls on work satisfaction and work engagement. The latest work engagement study from Gallup was in North America and Canada. And they they looked at, it was a global engagement study. And it's pretty high in the United States. Work engagement is 31%. So 31% of people, and, and again, you can interpret their categories in slightly different ways. But to me, that's an engaged person who really likes their work. It's their purpose. They love it. And then the other 69% of people are either... Quiet quitting, which means they, do, they don't like their job, but they don't hate it enough to just leave, actively leave. And then there's a big chunk of people that are actively hating on their job. So more than two-thirds of America can't stand their work. And I'm always fascinated by that, that number. I think it's such a high number. But one, I think it's hard to find. It's really hard to find something that you truly love and you can make a living at it. And about a third of people are able to do that. But for the other two-thirds of America, it's just a really hard thing to find. And that's it seems sure. as though that's the reality of the world. Yeah. I mean, the thing about finding your purpose while you're in the working world versus making stop signs or whatever it might be is a little bit – it's usually 
somebody else, I'm quoting somebody, I don't remember, maybe it was Scott Galloway, talking about how that's usually somebody who's really, really rich who's telling you that. Yeah, it's like every graduation speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Every graduation speaker is like, do what you love. Yes. And the money will follow. Well, that's total BS. Like, it's just not going to happen. And, and the statistics show that two-thirds, more than two-thirds of people, that just doesn't ever manifest for. So, But in retirement, you can pursue that. Yeah. Number five on this list uh, is you'll have an important job in retirement. Fritz ends this by saying, I hate to break it to you, but your quote, working years don't end when you retire. Turns out you'll be working a lot in retirement, but it's not what you think. Because, you know, even when he's writing this, I'm sure he can hear the groans. What? Your retirement, quote, job is unlike anything you've ever done in your life. No resume required. No job interview will take place before you're hired. Be your own boss and you'll develop the requirements of the position. The job description cannot be written because the job you discover will be unique to you. Your first task is to learn to exercise a portion of your brain that's likely been dormant since you were a child. Learn to listen to your curiosity and have the courage to follow wherever it leads. Learn to play again like you did as a child. The play will be different this time. And he talks about he still rides bikes in the woods, but now he does it to stay healthy. It's about something bigger. It seems like Crystal, like uh, he takes this idea of job and turns it into this fascinating, fun ass thing in, in retirement. Well, because it is, it's going to be your job to remain active, you know, and healthy in retirement. And I want to say it's like your 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 chance for your second act because look at how many people started amazing companies at retirement age. Uh, the Colonel Sanders, we know who that guy is. He was sixty five when he founded the Seven Herbs and Spices. So this is your, I think this is your second act because look, there's there's a whole list. Who else? The lady who Julia wrote, Child. Yeah, who's she again? <laughs> oh, the cooking lady, right? Yes. Yeah. No. Yes, yes. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Nice job. See, the lady who wrote Little House on the Prairie, she was in her 60s. There's 65. Yeah. So there's so many second act possibilities that you, you don't know what's what's coming. Home Depot, he was in his 50s. Len, for people that are closing in on their retirement, not just from this piece, but what would you tell people to do that they maybe aren't focused in enough at who are getting close to retirement yes what's something they're probably not doing but you'd advise them to start doing well i guess i'm going to repeat myself i i think they're probably focusing too much on the money and i think they're not focusing not enough on what they're going to do after they retire and if you've done this correctly the money will you know you've hit your number and you've planned out properly that's for the most part, should take care of itself. But like Crystal said, I mean, you you have to you you have to know what you want to do. You have to have a plan. And the younger you are when you retire, the harder it's going to be because it's just you have more time to fill. Retirement takes work. It, it is work, but it's a a work on your own terms, and it's things that you want to do. But you have to know what you want to do first. How do you fill the void? And there's a big void when you quit work. There's a void there that has to be filled. Crystal, same question. What would you tell people to do that aren't there yet that they should be doing? Talk to retired people, hang out with retired people and get your plan. Like start picking out, okay, I hate that. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. I hate that. I love that. Just so you can, you know, hang out with the people, maybe consider where you want to live, but you don't know unless you start talking to people that are actually living it. So this was a great panel for me because these are things that I would not have thought about. I was just thinking of because I'm hanging out with old people. (laughs) All the don't get bid on at an auction. Uh, Blink every once in a while. (laughs) What's this Len Penzo worth? (laughs) Right, but yeah, I I was just thinking of you know yachts and vacation in paradise, not the actual like day to day nine to five part of retirement that I'm gonna have to think about. It's fabulous, Wes. You've got the last word, man. What should people be doing? that they probably aren't. So I would, I would think of this as I love the word cultivation when it comes to, I think it's fitting for both the financial and the, and the lifestyle side that we need to really continue to cultivate. It's not a plant and go away. It's a cultivate forever, like a garden. So I would, I would think, and I think Fritz's words really do a good job of this. I thought it was a really fascinating topic today, but I would leave folks with this, take the lifestyle side even though it's supposed to be free and fun, 
that planning just as serious as the money planning. It's a fantastic place to leave this. Let's find out what's happening where all you guys are, because talking about artists, every one of you are making some cool art in your own backyard. We'll start, uh, Crystal, with you. We'll have our guest of honor go last. What's going on at the Stacky Deeds podcast, Crystal? As if, as if I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to put up with me over there, too. <laughs> well, neighbor Doug said it looked like I had on an 80s wedding dress with my poofy sleeves and the white lace. <laughs> oh, that's why she hammered you for your, no. your rain slicker. <laughs> I didn't. I agreed. <laughs> Payback Just trying to give it back to Doug. <laughs> <laughs> no. But please listen to us. We're chatting about all things real estate. We just had some very good episode that's coming up about notes. Like, did you know you can be the, it's almost like the creditor of real estate mortgages. So we talked to Scott Carson and he was uh, 70% of his people, they get to keep their homes instead of losing their homes. So we talk about a lot of different investing ideas that you would have never thought of. And it then- was- it was really fun yeah. talking to Scott about making money while doing some good. That was cool. Yeah, he was doing good. And then I'm building some fourplexes in Chicago. So I talk about mm. the, the fun working with the city on that because they, <laughs> they move at the speed of government. So whew, I was surprised you didn't do that for people watching the video. You didn't do air quotes. The fun. Yes. The air city, quotes sh- on the city the of fun. Chicago puts the F-U in fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah, well, I I wouldn't use it with him, Crystal. (laughs) No. (laughs) I probably. Uh, Mr. Penzo, what's going on at LemPenzo.com? Well, you know the blog. It's a financial blog unlike any other. Uh, You get things there in my blog that you won't see anywhere else. I mean, it's really hard-hitting stuff. And this week, I have uh, something that I know you all, everybody's going to want to flock to. It's about Whirlpool tubs. One of the worst things I ever bought in my life was a Whirlpool tub for my house. And uh, I want to save you folks the hassle of why you shouldn't buy it. So I could give you 14 reasons why Whirlpool tubs are for suckers. (laughs) Don't buy them. (laughs) I'm going to save you a lot of money. Uh, Don't make the same mistake I did. I'm telling you, this is the only place. Lenpanzo.com is the only place you're going to see hard-hitting financial stuff like that. It's the truth. (laughs) Is number one on that list a yeast infection? (laughs) No, Make that 15. <laughs> I thought dreams were for suckers. So whirlpools are for suckers. That's a line from a movie, by the way. Dreams are for suckers. Ah, Mr. Moss, thank you so much for hanging out with us to talk about dreams being for suckers and uh, watching squirrels and bidding on uh, Len Penzo and uh, cake batter lotion. Yeah. And that's just the, that's just the start of it. The, um <laughs> Yeah. So what am I working on? A couple of things. One, we're in a new season of Retire Sooner podcast. And we just had a really cool guest, Mary Beth Franklin, who I think you guys probably know. Oh, breaking, I love Mary Beth Franklin. Breaking down social security in 2024. But really, the, the podcast, Retire Sooner podcast is just about income investing for the happy retiree. That's what we're all about. We've been doing it for a lot of years. And I just started writing... Uh, I, I just started contributing to Forbes.com. So I just wrote an article on the army of American productivity, which is the cornerstone of my investing belief. And uh, that's at uh, Forbes.com. You know, Wes, you could write about how productivity is for suckers, like 14 <laughs> reasons. 15. <laughs> hey, I had that on my list. So don't, don't go, hey, well, just to, I had that on my list. Awesome. We'll link to uh, the Retire Sooner podcast on our show notes. Actually, if you just pause and go follow them wherever you're listening to us and uh, try out a couple episodes, I think you'll find like I do that I really, really enjoy hanging out with Mr. Moss. And we'll link to, of course, Stacking Deeds and the amazing Limpenzo.com exposition breaking news on whirlpools. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) Doug, take it from here, man. What should uh, be on our to-do list today based on this conversation? Well, here's what's stacked up on our to-do list today. First, take some advice from Wes Moss. The average happy retiree has between three and four hobbies that are on steroids. Those are things that are core to who they are. Figure out what it is that you absolutely need to do in order to feel fulfilled. Then, with the rest of your time, you're just sitting on the couch eating donuts, guilt-free. Second, don't forget what Len said. 
Make sure you are intentional about building friend groups. Be sure to meet with them on a regular basis, and don't forget to bring your hearing aids when you head down to the group dinner at 3 in the afternoon. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But what's the biggest to do? Before you buy land in the middle of nowhere, look how much it's going to cost to add plumbing and electric. Wow! Never saw that coming. Thanks to Wes Moss for joining us today. You can find Wes's podcast, Retire Sooner, wherever you're listening to us right now. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks to Crystal Hammond for joining us today. You can find her co-hosting our sister show, Stacking Deeds, with me and some guy named Joe who keeps showing up. And thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash walkingantique. (laughs) (laughs) This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2024, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show is written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, Kate Youngkin, Karen Repine, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? Of course you do, but you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of the show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude, Stacy Doe, and Julia Garib are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. For more interactive fun, join us on Instagram every Tuesday and Thursday for our Instagram Lives. Kate Yonkin and Joe host those weekly. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.